Well, hello, and welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. This is another of our bonus episodes between the first half and the last half of the final season. And today, we are talking with actor Mark Margolis, who plays... He's a legendary actor. You know who he is. He plays Hector Salamanca, a.k.a., as Kelly Dixon calls him, Uncle Tio. And he is quite a raconteur, and he's a great storyteller. And I've wanted to talk to him on the podcast for years and years because I have a very specific question to ask him about uh, his, his very long career. And uh, a warning about this podcast... We do discuss uh, an adult film, and if I, I'll, I'll give you a warning when it's about to happen, and then I'll tell you how far ahead you should skip if you if you if that kind of thing is not something that you want to hear about. But we do talk about uh, adult film, and um, yeah, so I will give you a warning, but just giving you a heads up that we do talk about that. And so uh, we also talk about a lot of other awesome stuff. And Mark was so generous with his time. And uh, he's, it was just a delight to talk with him. And so now, without further ado, let's dive right into our conversation with Mark Margolis. I appreciate you doing this. This is I've, I wanted to talk to you for, for a while. Jen knows that. Um, That's, That's it, nice. It, I had one, one last question. Oh, yeah. I, did, I did a show called The Gilliverse. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with this, right? No, that's a he, super fan, and that's a live show. They gave me, uh, for being on it, they sent me quite a few Hector Salamanca bobbleheads in the wheelchair with the bell. Nice. Have you not seen them? They're pretty incredible. I've seen that. I've seen that. They're pretty incredible, yes. My goodness. <laughs> I mean, that's what a what a crazy thing. Did you when you when you first got the role? Did you imagine that your your face would be on a bobblehead or toys no, or any I, of that stuff? I think stuff? originally I was supposed to be in one episode only. Whoa! When I were you talking about Breaking Bad? Yeah. So yeah, like how? Yeah. yeah when you first like, what was that like? They brought me in for one episode with Tuco mm-hmm. in the wilderness in a cabin where he had kidnapped. Uh, Walt and uh, Jesse. Right. I don't think I was supposed to go any further, but um, they took a fancy to me, or they lowered their standards, and and they kept, <laughs> which was nice. <laughs> no, I I love coming to New Mexico, especially. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous there. I've been staying in a part of Albuquerque that I like very much, and then I bring my wife. And when I'm all done, we go north to Santa Fe and beyond. Nice. I love it up there. How did you uh, How did you get that role? Like, how did that even come about? Like in Breaking Bad, when it started in Breaking Bad, it was just offered to me. Oh wow! So <laughs> it's a funny thing because a friend of mine, before they offered it to me, they wanted to audition him. He lives in L.A. Mm-hmm. or lived in L.A. He passed away. Um, I've known him for years. We were in a movie together, but um, he looked at this. It's a difference between a Hollywood mentality and a New York mentality among actors. He looked at the script, he flipped through and he thought, this, this guy doesn't have any lines. I don't want to do this. I looked at the script and thought, oh my, 
I don't have to learn any lines. I just have to <laughs> fly, fly out to New Mexico, get into the scene and think. Yes. And it was, for me, it was heaven. His take was completely, and I think they might've given it to him because he is an authentic uh, Latino from New Mexico. He was born in the slums of Albuquerque and, he had a pretty good career in L.A. where he lived most of his life and speaks fluent Spanish. So he probably would have gotten it if he hadn't been uptight about no lines. <laughs> well, that, that's crazy. I and, and so then, but you were like, you jumped at it. I thought this is great. <laughs> I don't have to learn any lines. I just have to think. But as an, yeah, but as an actor, are there, are there advantages and or disadvantages to playing a character that can only communicate through the face and, a, uh, you know, the dinging of the aforementioned bell? Look, look, you know, you, you only use words to get what you want. Mm. If you got what you want, I mean, I'm repeating things I've said on other things. If you come out to my log cabin mm. and it's the middle of winter and you come into the cabin and I'm, I'm somewhere outside and uh, you're freezing and there's a pile of wood there. You throw it into the fireplace, start a fire, you feel good. If you don't know where the wood is, you have to say, Mark, Mark, where's the wood? That's the only reason you're speaking, right? Mm -hmm. So, no. Um, it's funny, though, that you said advantage and disadvantage. I used to do a takeoff on Tennessee Williams. You remember him? Sure, of course. He has a poem called Life Story. I'll just give you the beginning of it because it uses the words you just did. It opens with, after you've been to bed together without the advantage or disadvantage of any prior acquaintance. And then it goes on. You said advantage or disadvantage. <laughs> it's about two strangers going to bed together. Mm -hmm. so. Which that which also that has its advantages and disadvantages. Yes, <laughs> that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> Are you in the office now? Is that what all that is? So I'm I'm in. So they're actually because of scheduling things. My assistant yeah. is actually in my office, like reviewing some stuff for <clears throat> for episode eight. And yes. uh, so I, I'm in somebody else's. I'm in like I, I look like I'm in like. Are you? Are you in Bur Are you in Burbank? Yeah, yeah. We're in like the the main office in Burbank, and we're okay. a lot of us are here. But we usually when we're in the room together, we're all masked up and yes, uh, you know. Which I I've become used to. I've been working. I've been in an I, office I, pretty much since 2020. So I I whenever I go into inside somewhere with people. I wear my mask even though I'm not required to anymore. Yeah, likewise. Um, how, did I, I had a question that Jen, Jen and I were actually talking about this before the podcast. Um, how do you feel about Hector as the patriarch of the Salamanca family, with as an uncle to the twins and Tuco and Lalo? Like, did you draw inspiration from your own experience as a father, or did you have other father figures in your life, or 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 uh, how do you how well, do you put that? I didn't together? draw. I didn't draw too much from my own life because uh, I never was the only thing. I sold a couple nickel bags 40 years ago. <laughs> I wasn't a big time <laughs> dealer. No, I don't connect it that much with my own life other than um, uh, 
to go off on a Giancarlo Esposito kind of a bend and show you that um, Hector is just trying to put positive things out into the world. That's Giancarlo's <laughs> thing. He was always saying that about Gus, but um, I know Giancarlo since he was about 20 years old. Whoa! We, we were in a play together in uh, uh, directed by uh, John Malkovich. A wonderful, anyhow. Wow. So Hector, Hector, when, when he was very young in the 60s, um, was a kind of a, came up to New York to go to Columbia University for a while mm. and got into all the hip radical shit. And then as the 60s moved on into 64, 65, he got into um, these doctors that used to give out speed. They're called uh, Dr. Feels Good. Sure. There were three. There were three of them. And I was very, in, he was very involved in that. So Hector is just trying to replace those speed doctors who were closed down and give the world an, an opportunity to have more energy and more of a, of a positive outlook. <laughs> I mean, what, what a spin on Hector Salamanca. <laughs> That's great. Well, I mean, <laughs> I said, um, I'm following in the footsteps of John Carlo. Right. What's well, pos- yeah. well, I, guess I, I mean, it, nobody life, thinks they're the bad guy. That's, that's a fact. No, I put, I put, well, yes, that's true. I mean, as an actor, you can't play a bad guy, even if you're playing a monster. Right. You have to be on his side. If Jonathan Banks was here, who I love, um, and he heard me say that, you would hear a voice in the back going, yeah, I'm full of shit. Because <laughs> I think he did that on John Carlo once when John was talking about how he was putting good vibes out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you. I saw the interview that you did with with Jonathan Banks. You guys did for the uh, the DVD. That's, that's, I, I, I looked at that. Somebody sent me it. I forgot about it a couple weeks ago, and I really like it. Yeah, like it's a great conversation that you guys had. Yes, yeah. So for you, what was that like? So you did, I mean, like you said, it was Breaking Bad was it was supposed to be this, you know, one and done thing. And then it I, I believe, going. I, be, yeah. I may be wrong, but I believe that's what they had in mind. They never spoke to me about doing more than the one, but I was delighted that they wanted me back. Of course. Well, and then it kept going and and then the show ends. Yeah. And then, you know, years go by and all of a sudden they're bringing Hector back. What was your reaction when you first learned that he was going to be resurrected for this show and that he'd be fully mobile and speaking, or at least at first? I, I thought it was wonderful, actually, all that to be speaking and all that. Other than my, I needed a tutor, but I, I'm, I can, I can speak Spanish, but I'm clumsy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was delighted. I wrote to Vince that I was opening a cooking show and I was um, going to star him as chef Vince Gilligan. <laughs> and the opening show would be called Better Coleslaw. <laughs> I refer to it as better coleslaw. When bring it up. I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a lot to do with my time. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I look and also, well, I mean, speaking of which, I know you you have been super generous with your time, which I appreciate. I do. I have a. Oh, I, have, I, I like doing this. Yeah. Well, I this this we is, can do one a day if you want. I. Did being being like out of the chair and out of the bell, did it change your approach to it at all? To to uh, I mean, besides I, I, the tutoring? I really I loved it. I enjoyed yeah. it very much. And then we drove around in a car. Right. I had a, a, a kind of a copper colored vehicle with uh, Mando. Speaking of which, Lalo is a marvelous actor. Jesus, he's a oh marvelous. yeah. Uh, Tony Dalton, yes, mm-hmm. he's tremendous. Yes. He's very witty, which I love. I mean, there was a when Michael Mando went back into a building that the cops were going to raid to get the speed the the amphetamine out of there. I mm-hmm. uh, jumped over Roost, and Tony was watching him through the car window, nibbling candy like somebody at a movie theater mm-hmm. eating like uh, M and M's while looking at the screen. Uh-huh. I thought that was gorgeous. Now. I assume it was his idea. Maybe it was in the script. I don't know. But he's he's really good. Yeah, he's he's everybody. Really... Everybody on the show is really good. They really are. I this I this is something actually. I've just been wondering. Does your because you're you're doing so much with the face and so it looks. I mean, he looks uncomfortable. Is it is it ever? Are you ever uncomfortable with the? I mean, you're because it's you so much that, tension. And I, I've told them a couple times. My mother in law was had a stroke down in Florida. And we used to go down and visit her. She was in a nursing home. And whenever we came into the room, this was before Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. um, her, she, the left side of her mouth would go into this thing. She would get excited. I kind of stole that from her, mm. which is wonderful. Because I don't know what else I would have done. I, I, I don't think it would have been good as just still it gave you know it responds to things mm-hmm. so it's an homage to my mother-in-law shirley <laughs> i love that that's a great i mean that's that's silver lining on well on... i i i i love to find things that work for something i mean i brought that actually to the first episode when i didn't know anything about breaking bad because uh, i hadn't watched the first season <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't know of the show. Right. A poet friend of mine, also deceased. Everybody I know is deceased. I don't know why I'm here. Um, <laughs> he, he said he was a, a member of the famous Living Theater and uh-huh. a poet. He said, he said, forget about Breaking Bad. What about fixing good? <laughs> Which I like. And you know what? Not a bad point. In this, in this world, yeah. Yeah. I, I only have one other question, really, and it might be it might be I don't know if why you talk- why only one other. Well, because I only you know we only wanted to take up a half hour of your time, which oh I uh, thought this was an hour. Well, no, we'll oh we'll we'll keep oh, going. Yes. We'll keep going. My time I, is incredibly valuable. It it is to us. <laughs> but go ahead. Hello. All right. So this is the section that I talked about at the beginning where we are discussing an adult film. So again, if you don't want to listen to that, skip ahead about six and a half minutes. It's six minutes and 38 seconds, roughly. And yeah, we can just skip ahead about six and a half minutes if that's not something that you want to hear about. Um, but if you do, it's a pretty interesting conversation. I mean, maybe if you're my mom, mom, maybe you'd want to skip this. I don't know, 
but um, you know, uh, I'm not going to tell anybody their business. But anyway, so uh, here we go with that part of the conversation. Oh, so Ed, I don't know if you talk about have talked about this, and and if 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 we don't, we don't have to use it in the podcast. But I have to ask you since I'm talking to you, because um, you've been in a lot of movies that I really love, like Pi, and I love Requiem for a Dream. But you were in a movie that's that is I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit is. I'll a tell fa- you what it is: Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. No, nope. nope. It no. is <laughs> it's the 1976 film, the opening of Misty Beethoven. Oh my God! And which that's as, a porn film. Well, technically, yes, it is an adult film. At but the you're time, in a non-adult scene, and you're yes. hilarious in it. And yeah. I just have to know, like, how did you end up acting in that in that scene? I need, and what I was that experience money. like? I wasn't working much. I mean, I did some theater. I did a lot of theater, mm-hmm. which doesn't pay very well. Sure, especially off of Broadway. Somebody told me that there was this woman that was casting porn films i should go see her and i said i don't know how involved i want to get in so she says well and i needed money if you'll get into the heavy stuff we'll give you a thousand dollars for the day if not we'll do something other than that and we'll give you 500 so i opted for the i don't want to get involved with um was a, it was done in a training plane out at kennedy airport Oh, really? They had no idea what was going on inside. It was a closed set. Right. And yeah, it was like, it was a funny line about I had, I, uh, I had, I had only one brandy and I hadn't got my blowjob or something. Uh, yes. And the girls were gorgeous, but they were way out there. <laughs> uh huh. They had the, um, the best catered lunch I ever saw in my life because really? I hadn't. I hadn't been out to California then. California uh, movie sets have great. Uh, and it had a very, some guy named Radley Metzger or right. something. Yeah, the director. He, he, and he's also known as Henry Paris. Right. Um, the lunch catering was incredible, but I didn't want to touch anything because everybody seemed very sticky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sat in front of a young couple. They were new to this This girl was giving this guy head it went on forever it was tedious to be around <laughs> and they got rid of some of the crew they lowered the lights da, da, da. it went on and on she blamed him he blamed her he doesn't know he's uptight she says she doesn't do it well on and on they finally brought in this is as much as i know about the porn world a woman who's known as a professional fluffer. Uh-huh. And she got him to ejaculate. Wow. And I got my $500. <laughs> uh, there's a, <clears throat> one other thing about that. Sure. I knew a very famous Polish actress mm-hmm. in Poland. She was very, she was in films by this great director, Vida, mm-hmm. W-A-J-D-A. Uh, absolutely. Her name was Elżbieta Czyżewska. She came to New York because uh, she married this famous writer who wrote about the Vietnam War. He came over to Poland to see her play Marilyn Monroe in a play. Mm-hmm. Though she did a lot of movies, a play written by Arthur Miller, I think. 
she fell in love with him and married him and came back to the United States. So I knew Elsvieta because I did some theater stuff with her. Mm -hmm. So she says to me one day, you know, I had a friend come over from Poland and we wanted to see a, uh, a video for the evening. So I went to the ball blockbuster store and there was this movie about Beethoven called The Opening of Misty Beethoven. <laughs> and so I rented it and it was a pornographic movie <laughs> and you were in it. <laughs> She's a funny lady. That's that's incredible. Yes, I... people bring it up once in a while. It was uh, something I would never have done, but... $500 was a good piece of change in, in my situation in New York in 76. And as long as I didn't have to take off any clothes or get yeah. involved. Then. I mean, you're just a passenger on an airplane. It's, it's, I mean, yeah. it, and it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a, I mean, I know it's a weird thing to talk about an adult film, but it's, I mean, it, it's an incredibly well-written movie. It's hilarious. Yes. And they said the music it was is a, great. They said it was a very classy porn movie. And, uh, you remember there was a, ma a magazine called Playboy? I've I've I've, yeah. I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> they they cited my couple lines in an in an article about the movie. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it, no, it's yeah. really funny. I mean, and and it, I I'm, yeah. I legitimately, I mean, I I uh, it, it's hard to like talk about sometimes, but it's a transgressive film yeah. from an era when they were actually doing that, and it, it's sort of hard to explain maybe to a younger generation what that used to be, and when now it's it's so it's not about story or or really even entertainment. It's just the the most prurient interest and uh yeah i just i just think it's a really well-made movie i've never gotten a residual from it <laughs> well i mean I, I don't i don't think it was signatory with sag at the time oh i'm but sure i believe as i recall now the main guy and the main woman were very big stars in the porn world somehow um to be quite honest not because I'm a prude. I never saw another porn movie other than Misty Beethoven. I've never seen one. I should see one. I, I you know, I don't think you're missing much. You're really not missing much. And, no. I mean, especially if you've seen Misty Beethoven, you've you've already seen the as good as it gets. Yeah. It's never gonna. It, it never gets any better than that. No, um, never hey there, did you just skip ahead? I can't believe you skipped ahead. I'm deeply offended. Um, no, I'm not offended. Some people don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. So, um, that's fine. But anyway, here we go. We're going to dive right back in to the conversation. Well, I mean, if you, if you have another minute, how did I you get involved with Darren Aronofsky? Like early days, Aronofsky. My agent at the time sent mm -hmm. me to audition for this part in Pi. Mm -hmm. I read, I read Pi and I thought it was incredible. I loved yeah. it. And so I went in to read for him over on, he, w he was using his sister's apartment on Broadway in New York. She had a loft. He was a, a guy with no money who lived in a tenement on the Upper West Side. And uh, he started giving me this or that about what to do and what I said, let me just do it because I'm good with accents, first of all. And I this guy had a he had a kind of a Russian accent. Right. So 
I found that I did it. And he immediately said, I want you to do it. He apparently had read dozens and dozens of guys for that part and couldn't find who I did. But I loved doing it because there was such smart stuff said. Oh, yeah. And I mean, a lot of people, I have to explain the movie to them. It's quite simple. This guy's going one way and he's being dragged on the left by religious fanatics Mm -hmm. and on the right by uh, Wall Street fanatics. Yep. But he has his own whatever. I still, when I see it occasionally on TV, I love the movie. And and working with Darren was, he does some amazing things. He does, uh, in great painting, less is more, also in acting. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren, where some other director does one, two, three, four steps, Darren does two steps. Example, there's a scene in the subway where uh, the main guy played by Sean Gallette, mm-hmm. he's on a subway train. The man sitting across from him is reading the New York Times and the stock page is on the back. So he tries seeing it. He can't quite see it. So he goes over and grabs the paper from the guy. Now, another director, I'm pretty sure, will show you the guy's reaction who had the paper. Darren doesn't because it doesn't matter whether the guy was happy, sad, scared, angry, whatever. He gets off and goes on to the station. He just jumps from that to that. He only does what's important. And I've very much enjoyed doing things with him. We always have issues. (laughs) (laughs) He he says to me sometimes, you know how we do it. Uh And I say, no, I don't know how we do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I learned to play the game Go. Right. I just, he gave me the set from the movie. I just gave it to a friend's son who wanted very much to learn to play Go. So I gave him the set with the book. Oh, wow. Uh, that, that was I how I, I learned of that, that the existence of the game Go was from I, that I movie. didn't know anything about it. Darren took me to, I think, two, maybe two Go Club gatherings. It's all, it all goes off of instinct rather than a lot of thought like in in uh, chess mm-hmm. but i i loved playing that guy i loved what he talked about yeah and uh i chased darren i think i was the only one paid for it <laughs> and not a lot of money i chased him two months for my pay he kept saying it was in the he, he financed the whole film off of his credit cards and his buddy's credit card he kept saying the the money's in the mail. It's coming. We're giving it. A da, 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 da. His mother had been the, uh, the 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 craft services person. Oh wow! There, yeah, she's a neat lady. Also passed away recently. Charlotte Aronofsky. Mm. Um, she served us peanut butter sandwiches. So, um, and I I knew I had talked to her many times while we were working. And I finally threatened to call his mother if he didn't give me my money. And I got the money the next day. (laughs) You can't do that with Spielberg. But I now regret getting the money because since I was paid, I get residuals 
But the people who didn't get paid, which was, I think, everybody else, they they get these big checks all of a sudden for like ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Right, as, profit. As a, yeah, they had points in the film instead of, hey, so I I made a mistake, but who the hell knew that it was going to be such a great, you know, it won the Sundance Festival directing oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Who? I mean, yeah, you couldn't have known was this black, uh, weird black and white movie about the yeah. the, the Kabbalah and Wall Street yeah. would turn into this thing. Yeah, um, you know, I I was working in a film in Lithuania. I'm sure you've been there many times. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually a a pretty good film called Defiance Mm -hmm. with Daniel Craig and uh, Liev Schreiber. Um, I was the head of the Jewish ghetto and I was walking. We were in Vilnius, which is the main city. And uh, I I brought my wife with I bring her to a lot of things like that. We were walking through the streets one afternoon and there were two weird teenage kids following me everywhere they were like a half a block away and then they cross when i turned the corner they turned the corner finally one of them got brave and came up to me and he didn't speak any english but he pointed at me and said pie pie you you in pie which blew me away because here we are i'm in a, a town in vilnius in vilnius lithuania and there's a kid who's crazy about pie, not Scarface. <laughs> it was a real surprise. That's I, kinda, I dug it. It's amazing. You never know, like just anywhere you are in the world where something like that's going to come back. I've you. run into people from other countries that are crazy about pie. Mm-hmm. So Did I read this right? That you were working with Stella Adler at 16? Mm-mm. I wasn't that young. <laughs> I did. I grew up in Philadelphia. Okay. Just like uh, Will Smith mm-hmm. in West Philadelphia, but I haven't slapped anybody around. But I, am, <laughs> I, I understand why he's uh, off the walls, because a lot of Philadelphia is off the wall. We both grew up in West Philly, mm-hmm. uh, very near each other. I'm, I'm a bit older than him, but um, <laughs> I went to one year after high school of Temple University okay. in Philly. And then I decided I really didn't want to do this. I really, because I had done some acting in Philly as a kid. I went out to New York with a buddy and we saw a couple of teachers. And I, I really, Stella Adler was like, if, if God is a woman, this is, this is him. <laughs> right. And I, I was 19 when I came to her. I was also wow. uh, in exchange for classes. At one point, I uh, I was kind of her houseboy. I would go home with her and help her with things. She was incredible in class. But out on the street, it was like a lost lady. I'd go shopping with her. Uh, I checked coats at her parties. And I was with her for about three years. Wow. I mean, it's all mine now, but the roots of what I have all came from Stella. Mm-hmm. Many years later, I went to Lee Strasberg, mm-hmm. uh, like 10 years later almost, to see this guy she despised. And uh, he had some good things, um, but not at the Stella. Stella made it like she really talked about what it was to be an artist in the world. 
It was a big thing. She had been Brando's teacher. Right. Yes. And De Niro went to Stella also. But I mean, Mm -hmm. some great actor, Pacino went to Strasbourg. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, Stella was my beginning. I miss her. (laughs) That's a beautiful story. I love that. Well, Uh, I I once went to, she was, uh, she lived right across from the Metropolitan Museum of Art on Fifth Avenue. Have you ever been to New York? Probably. I, just no. twice, but I, and I've all not. Right. I've embarrassingly not spent as much time. That's as all I right. Like she to. was. She was right across from the. She had a gigantic apartment, and she was at that time her boyfriend. Uh, she was going with a guy who was a big time art dealer, and he used to smuggle paintings out of Spain like by uh, Velasquez or Goya, which you're not allowed to do. He would do it by uh, covering the painting with a um, a, a, a watercolor or acrylic uh, abstract. And then when I, I went to her place one day, there was, a, 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 I was either a Velasquez or a Goya or something like that uh, on 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 a counter next to the kitchen sink with orange peel all around it and on it. And they had peeled off half the paint. <laughs> and uh, that's what he was doing. <laughs> uh, it's been an interesting existence. I'd like to go on for another 20 years. I mean, there isn't a lot of work for people in my age group. I was telling people that I am now 82, but it feels like 75. Because of the because of the wind chill factor, <laughs> that's what the weatherman gives you all the time. But you have a visitor in the background. I know who it. It's the actress who plays my wife. <laughs> oh man, perfect timing. She she went shopping. Excellent. Well, I don't want to keep you much longer. I but I did I did. We were talking. I think before we recorded, because uh, I you, you you did ring one of your bells, your trademark. Salamanca yeah, yeah. bells, but were you saying yes. hello? Uh, hello, Jackie. That's Jacqueline. She's come to New Mexico with me many times. Oh, fantastic! And loves it. Her closest friends live in Santa Fe. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> <laughs> Does she ever get tired of you ringing that bell? I don't ring it. <laughs> I love it. But you, we're, you were saying. That that the the original bell before we started recording, yeah. you were saying something with the original bell was auctioned off. Yes, the one that sat on the wheelchair, which was a little gold bell that you can buy for sixteen dollars. It's a bit ornate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one uh, I only went once to a, a, an autograph show in New Jersey. Somebody and uh, I signed bells for people. They charged a certain amount of money for me to sign a bell. Right. But yes, the the one that was on the chair, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, at that time, the prop lady was um, uh, Trina. Mm-hmm. You know, Trina. Oh, yeah. We know Trina very well. The bell that Trina had on that chair. I think she she's now uh, they moved her way up. I think she owns Netflix. Or Trina. Yes, yeah, she became a producer. She knows what well, she was. Was she in a 
associate producer this year, Jen, or producer? Yeah, she's yes. a supervising producer. This supervising, year. Yeah. that's right. Yeah, she's she's yeah. very instrumental uh, out she there was, in Albuquerque. She was a well. Fortunately, I always got along with her. <laughs> I uh, that bell was the one that was sold for twenty seven thousand dollars. That is crazy. Yes, that's amazing. It's probably in a glass case mm-hmm. in this person's. Uh, mansion or uh duplex or something or their apartment because they spent all their money on breaking bad uh, yes. yeah yeah they're and living the studio they're living apartment a, a, a floor through a tenement building <laughs> on the lower east side i don't, I don't know i love la though i'm I, I was telling her before jen um my son and my three grandsons are out there mm-hmm. our i mean it's mine and my wife's we go out there usually uh, for a month every year to see them. That's why we were doing the sportsman's lot. And we hadn't seen them in two and a half years. So we went out in right. December and January and had a wonderful time with them. Even though the weather was all rain, but we had a great mm-hmm. time with them. That was crazy. Yeah. I, I like LA very much, actually. A lot of New Yorkers are absolutely hated. It's got some nice things about it. Oh, I, yeah, I've, I've, I, I grew up uh, mostly in Arizona and, uh, I've, I've been uh, here now for over half my life and I, I really do love it. Where uh, in Arizona? In Tucson, Arizona. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've been through Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, my preference is New Mexico. I used to, I had a theater with my wife, uh, very avant-garde, these giant plastic structures. We, we did plays in colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to the University of New Mexico in 71. But I I used to race through Texas because I had long hairs in my group and they used to harass <sighs> us, the cops. Yeah, they, and I used they to still would probably get, get out of Arizona as quick as I could. But New, New, New Mexico, I would always relax in. Mm-hmm. But Arizona is a gorgeous state. It is. It is beautiful. Did you say that your kids are are involved in, with the, the federal? My son runs Knitting Factory Enterprises, which is all these music venues all over the country. And right. the federal, he closed up the Knitting Factory in, in Hollywood. Right. I remember that place. And he opened the federal bar, which is busy from morning to night. Mm-hmm. He's also got outdoor venues all over the country. Mm-hmm. They have interests in uh, hotels and bars, and sure. And they they have a record label that's been nominated for Grammys. Of on course, occasion. Yeah. yeah, I went the, to the some, other... quite a few shows at the the, the Knitting Factory in uh, in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, right. That we used okay. to be by that that terrible movie theater that's gone. Also, the Galaxy. Uh huh. Yeah, but the knitting, I like the Knitting Factory a lot, and I had no idea yes. that they were involved with the Federal, which, I mean, good plug if, yeah. you're, if you're in North Hollywood. It's, it's, the Federal is yes. spectacular. The Federal, the Federal's at Lancashire, mm-hmm. and uh, what's it? Uh, uh, like above Chandler, uh, I think, or no, just below an Chandler? No, it's an M Street, an M Cross Street, not Moore Park. It's the next Magnolia. one. Magnolia. Magnolia. Yeah. It's, it's just above on Lancashire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lancashire, Magnolia, uh, and Lancashire. Amazing brunch, uh, fantastic yeah. dinner, and and you know drinks. I are go all great. To, and good I, shows I some, too. I sometimes can get free dinner there. Uh, sometimes, 
I mean, they should roll out the red carpet for you. Um, well, he he messes with it. But the his sons are two of them are in college and one is still in high school. Aha. Uh-huh. So. Uh, well, Mark, thank you very much for you've been like way generous with your time. I it was very it was very nice it. to meet you, Chris. Yeah, great I'm to glad meet you. I met you. Yeah, you likewise. you 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 edit the episodes. Yeah, I, I, I've been, I've been, uh, I mean, I've been editing on the show since season one. But um, I, are you talking about the show or the podcast? The show. The show. Yeah, I've been in because Kelly Dixon, I was my mentor. I worked with her, yeah. and then I've been just, just editing on the show, not uh, assisting anybody uh, since season four. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, it's a very solitary business, isn't it? Editing. Uh, at first it is until, yeah. you know, well, and it, well, in COVID it, it, it can be, it's a little more solitary sometimes yes. Um, yes. because you have to work remotely sometimes, but luckily we're all in the office or most of us are in the office. So that's been, that's been great. But yeah, when you're, when you're just by yourself, go watching the material and trying to figure out how you're going to put it together, it, it can be pretty solitary, but, um, you know, but once you get the director and producers in the room you know it gets it gets more yeah. lively and less less alone i'm sure i'm sure yeah all right thank you so, so much mark that yeah, was really interesting to listen to it was nice to see you jen jackie Lovely say to goodbye see you. Bye. say goodbye bye jackie bye jackie <laughs> I, on, on june 3rd we'll be married 60 years wow congratulations oh, Six wow zero. That's, wow. a, that's what are you going to do to celebrate? Are she's, you going on a trip? I don't know. She's pissed at me because I didn't buy her flowers for Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't go out. Oh, no. <laughs> it was a nasty day yesterday. Oh, that's so I'll, funny. I'll, I'll work it out. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark. All right. And we're back. I did not think to do our traditional sign-off when we were talking with Mark. So I guess it's my turn. I've never done it, you know, how we traditionally end this podcast. And who knows? Is anybody still listening to this? I don't know. Uh, you could tweet at me or get me on Instagram. I'm at Chris McCaleb, kind of wherever you look. Uh, yeah, I I guess I will do our traditional sign-off, which is someone, one of our guests usually, doing their 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 finest Bob Odenkirk, Saul Goodman style, Better Call Saul. So I'm going to put the recorder down. And we'll see how I do. Better call Saul! I don't know. Was that all right? I mean, I don't hear anybody clapping like normally. I don't know. What's the sound of one hand clapping? That's how this podcast ends.